Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my Happy Hanukkah. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. When you look at that, isn't that glorious? It's, 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 it's indescribably beautiful. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Tis the season to be merry. Well, that's my name. It is the 30-something movie podcast, and if you are hearing the jingle bells in the background, then that means it must be December. Or in the case of this movie, it could be March. It could be Christmas, too. So I have some jolly (laughs) elves with me here, uh, some very special jolly elves here with me this evening. Uh, Jeff, I don't know why you're making that face. You're, you, you feel, I, you know, you're not feeling jolly. It's jolly elves was the name of my band in college. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Uh, did you have the little pointy shoes and everything? Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you've heard Jeff's voice. Our other jolly Hi, elf. Everyone. Hi, Mark. <laughs> hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. I, uh, I not, oh boy, uh, I did not. It's. It's, oh, hi, Mark. it's already gone off the rails. Um, so the first <laughs> of the Jolly Elves, you've heard Jeff. Uh, the other Jolly Elf we have this evening is uh, Patrick Canigallo. Pat, how you doing? Great, everybody. How are you doing? Doing excellent. Doing excellent. Uh, Bo Warmbold, how are you doing? Yo. Doing well. Yo. Good to see everybody. The, the usual Bo catchphrase, yo. Uh, and very, very special Jolly Elf that we have with us this evening is Podrick from Ireland. Uh, so happy to have you back on here. Good to be back. So this was, we, we had talked, I think actually quite a while ago, it might have even been close to last mm-hmm. Christmas time, and uh, we were talking about, um, you know, any any movies, you because you're one of our Patreon co-executive producers, so I uh, was kind of asking about any movies you had coming up in the next year or so that you'd want to request, and you had we had done the one, uh, a Mad, 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 Mad World, I, I, yeah. I think I put enough Mads in there, but I always forget. Mm-hmm. Um, we had done that one, talked about that one, because that uh, had been one of your dad's favorite movies, and he had recently passed when we had talked about mm-hmm. that one. And you had kind of mentioned that uh, this one, since you had done that one uh, related to uh, memories of your dad, you said that mm-hmm. this one, you had you had kind of associated memories with your mom and a couple of other special yeah. things with this movie. So um, yeah. so I'll have, you, I'll have you talking a little bit about that, kind of what your mm-hmm. what your history with this one is. But... Uh, we'll go ahead and jump right on into this. Our movie this time, uh, we are jumping a few years back than our normal time frame. So instead of 92, we're jumping back to 85. And this one is Santa Claus the Movie from the 27th of November, 1985. Rated PG with a runtime of one hour and 47 minutes. Directed by Jeannot Swark. I think I said that right. Might have said it wrong. Uh, who also directed Somewhere in Time and Jaws 2. Writers were David Newman and Leslie Newman. David Newman passed away in 2003. Uh, David Newman did Bonnie and Clyde and Superman. Leslie Newman did writing for Superman 1 through 3. Producers were Pierre Spengler and Ilya Salkind. Spengler did the Superman movies and The Return of the Musketeers. Salkind did the Superman movies and Christopher Columbus, The Discovery. Music was done by Henry Mancini, who died in 1994, um, did Breakfast at Tiffany's and The Thornbirds. Cinematography was done by Arthur Ibbotson, who died in 1997, did Where Eagles Dare and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. 
editor was Peter Hollywood. He did The Adventures of Baron Munchausen and Neverending Never Story 2, the next chapter, uh, which probably has more luck dragons in it, um, Pat. I haven't seen it in many, many years, but I don't know if it eats the bullies in the second movie, but I know you were really concerned with that in the first one. That was a concern. Funny thing about a luck dragon, I was talking with a, a friend the other day that was showing me pictures of her, of, I think it was of her dog. What was the name of the luck dragon in Never Ending Story? Falcor. 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 And I was thinking of the dog and, and, she, and, and my, my friend was saying like, yeah. And, and her dog's name was something else. She goes, we almost named him Falcor. And it was like the dog was a spitting image of Falcor. And I'm like, that would have been possibly the, on, you know, the top three greatest pet names of all time. And they're like, yeah, we ended up going with something else, but yeah, Felcor would have been good. So I don't know where that, I don't know what made me think. Well, you brought it up. That's what made me think of it. But uh, speaking of luck dragons. Well, if, if their dog looked anything like Falcor, if it's like a long haired dog was, with some floppy ears. It was amazing. It could have been, it was Felcor. Okay. I mean, the dog looked just like Felcor. Then I'm going to quote, was, I'm going to quote last crusade and say, okay, they the have dog chosen the poorly. Or <laughs> Where I'm going to say, I'm going to say the dog got the bullies because I like to know, you know, I like the happy endings. Yeah. There we go. All right. Uh, for this one, the budget was somewhere between 30 and 50 million. The box office came in at 23.7. So it did not quite, ba- quite make its money back. Um, Flick metrics gives this one a 47% and uh, could not find a score on this one for cinema score starring Dudley Moore, who died in 2022. Uh, he played patch. He was in Arthur and 10, John Lithgow was BZ. He was in Ricochet and Harry and the Hendersons. David Huddleston, who died in 2016, played Santa Claus. He was the Big Lebowski and was in Blazing Saddles. Burgess Meredith, who died in 1997, played the Ancient Elf. He was in the Batman TV series and the Rocky movies. Jordy Cor- uh, Judy Cornwell played Anya Claus. She was in the TV series Keeping Up Appearances and the TV series EastEnders. Uh, Jeffrey Kramer played Towser. He was in Jaws and Ally McBeal. Christian Fitzpatrick was Joe. He was in a movie called Vice Versa. Carrie K. Heim Heim was Cornelia. She was in a TV show called Equalizer and uh, TV movie The Parent Trap 2. And Ami Delamain, who died in 1999, played the storyteller. She was in Doctor Who and the TV series The Avengers. Not like Captain America Avengers, other Avengers. Um... So this one kind of tells the story of the origins of Santa Claus from a regular 14th century woodcarver to becoming an international icon, delivering presents overnight to children all around the world. Um, so we'll, we'll just kind of go ahead and get started with just a quick walkthrough of the plot for this one. Uh, basically, like I just said, it starts with uh, Santa Claus being a just a normal kind of human being. Um, in the 14th century, he was a craftsman, a wood carver, and uh, he was taking his sleigh with his couple of deer and, and trying to deliver these uh, toys that he had carved to children around these different villages. Um, and a snowstorm, blizzard comes up, and he and his wife get caught. And this is where, as we were watching the movie, I was watching it with my daughter, um, they seemed to die. And that was kind of, my daughter was like, wow, that took a quick, dark turn. And I was like, well, we're only like 10 minutes into the movie, so maybe just give it a moment. Oh. I'm, I'm having a, I get a feeling here. She's I mean, kind of awesome, that one. I, she is. I kind of feel like, you know, I haven't seen this in a really long time. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll comment a little bit of this on, on this later. I actually thought I had not seen this movie until I started watching it. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I vividly remember a lot of this. So 
uh, when we started watching it, I'm like, I don't remember this part, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to kill Santa and Mrs. Claus in the first 10 minutes of the movie and, and you know, come roll to credits and that's it. Um, Good instinct. You know, it's, I've, I've watched a couple of movies here and there. Uh, so they do, they are revived. There is a bright light that shows up. They are revived and they are found by a group of people that uh, we would know of as elves in the movie. They are called the Vendicum. Uh, and uh, we have characters, Dudley Moore's character, Patch, uh, shows up here. And basically they say that there is a prophecy that a craftsman will come and will you know, lead them into kind of a new era of celebrating Christmas and bringing joy to children all across the world. And that is where we kind of, that, that starts the legend of Santa Claus as we know it. Um, and then the movie from there, uh, just very quickly, I'll, I'll kind of go through this quickly cause we'll talk a little bit more about it and comment on it. Um, but from there, uh, there is a little bit of a competition between a couple of the elves as to how things are going to, how the toys are going to be manufactured moving forward. Um, uh, patch kind of goes with a, maybe more modern methods, uh, assembly line methods and, and automated, and, uh, it does not go well and things start to fall apart a little bit. And so Patch uh, is kind of, uh, he feels like he is to blame for things going wrong. He leaves the North Pole and goes to, um, you know, go, goes south to civilization and decides that he's going to try to make it big there to really show Santa that uh, he's, he can prove that, um, you know, he's able to do this. Like he's, he's got these skills, he really can do it right. Uh, and he ends up unknowingly teaming up with the um, less than uh, less than joyous BZ, um, who there's this whole comical scene in the courtroom uh, showing all the toys that BZ's company has made and how glass-filled they are uh, and how flammable they are and, and all those really uh, terrible things. And uh, as, the, as the movie continues on, um, Patch teaming up with BZ starts to introduce... Uh, a couple of different things that end up making their toys and their items very, very popular, uh, almost competing with Christmas. And uh, without really giving away the end right now, uh, there is a bit of a showdown at the end between BZ and Santa Claus, although I don't believe the two of them ever actually meet. Uh, Santa Claus does kind of come to save the day because he, he needs to come and save one of the kids uh, that has been kidnapped here, but also to save Patch as well from uh, kind of what's been going on with, uh, with BZ and their uh, dastardly plan that they have to kind of take over Christmas. Um, and spoiler alert, everything ends well. So as it should in a Christmas movie where they didn't die in the first 10 minutes, uh, everything does end well and, and Christmas is all fine. So that is the basic uh, plot of the movie. We'll get into more, more stuff. We'll talk about specific scenes as we go along. But I did want to start with, uh, Podrick, you chose this movie. Uh, mm -hmm. You had mentioned that, you know, this movie was near and dear to your heart. So tell us a little bit about your history with this movie and, and why this movie means a lot to you. It was actually the first movie I'd ever seen in the cinema in uh, 1985. My mother brought me. She always used to say that every time we watched it on Christmas Eve. That was the first movie ever seen, Patrick. Oh, I know, Ma. You know, I'd say, oh, I know, I know. Next year, she'd probably forget she said it to me, and, you know, she, she'd say it again, you know. Oh, remember, we, that was the first movie ever seen, and well, I absolutely loved it as well. It's, so it's a lot of sentimental value with the fact that my mother passed away a few years ago, and that was the first one that i ever seen, and she reminded me every year, every time I watched it. Um, just as a working-class 
kid back in Ireland dreaming of getting a bike and we were quite poor growing up so I never got that bike <laughs> even though I was a really really good kid um, but that that movie when I was a kid I can remember just dreaming to me David Huddleston was Santa so uh, I knew what he looked like I, just, I, I, I never got to see him I, we were actually one of the few kids in, in, in the class I think it was the only kid in my class everybody was sent to bed early my father would uh, have this charade every year of us waiting up for Santa and we'd always fall asleep before he came of course um, and get taken up to bed but I, ne- I, I would watch that movie Dreaming every year that this year I'm going to I'm gonna see Santa and I'm going to get that bike it never happened but that movie just as a kid like I can still picture myself that, that movie just made me dream because to me I was looking at Santa when I see David Huddleston he was, he was fantastic I was shocked as well to find that the movie actually flopped at the time because to me it was the ultimate movie as a kid, the ultimate Christmas movie. Um, I couldn't believe that it flopped, but then the soul coins are behind that movie, so that that maybe uh, <laughs> explains it if you're a Superman fan. So, yeah, I did read somewhere that um, over in England and and the British Isles, it actually did a lot better. Yeah, it did than it did Absolutely. in the states. So. Yeah, that's true. It was very badly marketed as well. They didn't really show Santa in much of the promotional stuff it was mainly Dudley Moore they pushed the fact that they had mm-hmm. Dudley Moore he's a big star at the time sure um, so but I remember watching the movie um, and always thinking I had a Superman 2 filled with so when I was listening to actually a podcast on it there last year around about Christmas just getting all in the in the mood and uh, when I heard the soul coins were behind it I just geez, I always thought that I had a certain Superman 2 look about it um, when you're in the city scenes mm-hmm. um, I don't know what it was the cinematography just the colour and Everything screamed Superman too, so it didn't shock me, you know. Um, to the same people behind that were behind Superman too as well. So, yeah, you had because Pierre Spangler was also um, he was one of the producers of those Salkine Superman movies. You know, he was behind um, I think one through three. He was a producer of that. He and Ilya Salkine were like best friends. Um, yeah. And, and actually, I my understanding is the reason that one of the reasons that Richard Donner did not come back for Superman 2 was because Richard Donner hated Pierre Spangler. And over the course of making Superman the first one and all the press that they did in between the first and second, uh, apparently Richard Donner did not hold back on his opinions about Pierre Spangler and his ability to be a producer um, and said some pretty harsh things about him. So Ilya Salkind basically said, hey, that's my best friend, you're saying this about, um, I'd rather have him work on the sequel than you. So you're fired. Um, so apparently that was, that was part of what did not bring Richard Donner back. I I did make a Um, funny comment, which none of my family understood when I said it. Um, when the reindeer showed up in this, I was like, Oh look, a Saul kind movie where they're actually willing to still work with the Donner. (laughs) Wow. I I was the only one that that got that one. You know, that's all right. Uh, one of the other funny things, because you mentioned that it it had flopped, uh, particularly in the States, it didn't do very well. Um, this was a movie where they were really kind of trying to bank on, and other movies had done this too, but maybe I guess a little bit more successfully. Uh, this is one of the things I did remember about this. Um, I would have been about you know, five at the time that this came out. Uh, but I remember seeing commercials on TV where they had, um, they had put uh, Christmas books in Happy Meals. So if you, I mean, McDonald's was my restaurant of choice as a kid, uh, which I loved. And so I'm sure we probably had some of these books, but they did I'm books shocked. of the movies. I, I know. I'm shocked by that, John. Yeah. Um, and 
I remember them putting some of these Christmas books in the Happy Meals, and I remember advertisements on TV about, you know, go to McDonald's, get a Christmas Happy Meal. It's going to have Santa Claus the movie, the storybook inside of it. Um, and it was it was one of the first times I actually remember uh, as a kid seeing a movie tie-in uh, related to, you know, a restaurant, fast food place we'd go to. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't really translate. I think they were kind of betting on, uh, betting heavily on these movie um, and, and fast food tie-ins, bringing more people to the theater to see it. And unfortunately, I guess, um, you know, opening weekend, it only made about $5 million, which is not, you know, even in 1985, that's, that's not a whole lot uh, mm-hmm. in, in opening weekend. One of the other interesting things that I did read about this one in terms of the actors is, um, you know, because in watching this movie, and, and we'll talk about our uh, kind of our take on the movie and, and whether we liked it or not here in a second, but um, I will say as I was watching it, I, I had completely forgotten that I had really seen this movie before. I had vague memories of maybe seeing bits and pieces, but then as the movie went on, I was like, nope, I vividly remember some of these scenes, and I know I've seen this more than once. Um, but it took getting into the movie for me to remember all that. Um, but a couple things that I read about this is I remember enjoying it as a kid, but I read a couple of different uh, interviews that some of the actors had done afterwards, and I think it was John Lithgow and maybe Dudley Moore had watched this together after the movie had been finished, and they're, they're sitting in a private theater, they're watching it, and I guess when it was done, they turned to each other and they're like, oh, dear God, our careers are over. Like this, this may be one. Of, this may be one of the worst things I've ever done. And John Lithgow is quoted in an interview just from a couple of years ago, as say somebody asked him about it, and he said, uh, he said, I feel like the Santa Claus the movie was maybe one of the tackiest movies I've ever been in. Uh, it might be one of my least favorite movies I've ever been in. He said, but anytime I ever go over to England or the British Isles, anytime I go over there, he's like, it boggles my mind. This is the movie people know me for. Like everything yeah. else I've ever done, I will get approached by people in England and, and, and Ireland and Scotland and Wales. I yeah. will get approached by people and they will tell me that oh, they loved me <laughs> in Santa Claus the movie. Yeah. And it just, yeah. and he was so shocked that that's the one that people will remember him for over there. Yeah. Especially where, you know, the, the, he nearly chokes him for free. That's a major <laughs> thing over here, you know. I think he, I think yes. I read something before. He said sometimes people show, show that to him in the streets, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I find that as well. I have a lot of connections in the States and friends over there. And I find when I talk about this movie to Americans that don't have the same connection as people here. I, I actually it came up on my Facebook there recently, um, 37 years ago, Santa Claus movie was made. I shared it and just said, oh, it's the first movie I've ever seen me mother and back in 1985 and oh, just uh, loads of comments loads of likes everybody saying how much they loved it none of my american friends liked it or commented and anytime i've ever talked about it to americans it doesn't connect with them the same as people over in ireland and, and england we all love it here you know yeah that is that is well i don't know if fascinating is too strong of a word but it's fascinating that there's that much of a divide and i i am wondering what was do, do we have any inkling of what the like the critical response was to it, like why? Or, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, I wasn't. And, uh, and, you know, like why did why did the critics? Yeah. I mean, what did they not like about it? I I just, you know. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. On even now, and I'm, I cannot wait for it to bring my own to the cinema. I was saying that to John before I got on. I was going to watch it with the kids the night before I spoke to you, but I've seen it that many times. I know every part of it. But um, it's I wanted the cinemas here. 
I discovered it's shown all the 80s Christmas movies and 90s mm-hmm. in the cinema. So it's on December the 11th in the afternoon. Okay. So I'm taking all the kids to see it on the big screen because they've never seen it. So I thought I'm going to hang off watching it on the screen, you know, the TV. I can actually take them to the cinema like Guy did in 1985 and let oh, them that's awesome. see how they like it, you know. Oh, the cinema is so cool, but they're shown National Lampoons, Home Alone 1 and 2. Um, a Christmas story. That's one Christmas movie that no one over here knows, but it seems to have a big cult following in the US. 1983, a Christmas story. No one over yeah. here knows that movie. Nobody oh, that's a classic. That. They just made a yeah. they just did a remake. Yeah. Nobody or a sequel, technically. That's that's my wife's yeah. favorite movie. Like we will watch that even when it's not Christmas time. Yeah. I swear to God, no nobody in Ireland in the UK knows about it. <laughs> really? Well, honestly, That's... yeah. I seen some TikTok videos on an act. An actor went and he was on the steps doing tours, and the, the dude who owns the house was just happened to be coming home. He went ape and told him to get the f off his. Uh, and he was the next I, one. And, I yeah. saw this just recently. Yeah, yeah. I only yeah. seen it two days ago. So it made and, me think yeah. this house is famous. I've never known about this movie, and it made me look into it, and I realized this is a big cult following here, and no one knows it where I am. Yeah. So. But you've yeah, seen that video. I, think, um, I, I did. Well, I saw that, and 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 to the and and it was one of those things like no one could figure out why the homeowner got so upset. Like I, I guess they thought that somehow the actor was exploiting it, or or there was a yeah. There was well, some actually, kind of a, like they were trying to purchase the house, and it was that's some, it. Yeah, yeah. They're doing a GoFundMe, and, and um, people. He's saying that they're coming, that they're not. They're going to get the GoFundMe and not buy the house, you know. So he's right. really, he really, really doesn't like that dude. He said he's a, he's a con man kind of thing, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah. they want to make it like a visitor center, you know? Right, right. Well, I, I could see that, yeah. you know, I could see that. But yeah, that was, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You get you get in the you get in the press for all the wrong reasons when you get yeah. into one of those things. Yeah, it's bad. It, it's sad, like Home Alone, I know it's not your main movie, but I know they did an Airbnb where you could stay there for the night and it sold out in like seconds, you know? Um, yeah. I think why to spare $1.3 million and a, a, a few years ago when it was up for sale, you would make it kill me. Even my oh, little yeah. stepdad, who's 10, said it to me a few yeah. days ago. I said, what do you want? I want to stay, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And what you want? I want to get a night in the Home Alone house, you know? Yeah, and um, we actually got a taxi out to it, and we were in uh, Chicago. We we're coming back from LA, and we went to meet Dad's old job in Paramount, you know, uh, to see it, and uh, went around all the movies. We're loving it now. It was a real movie, old uh, memorabilia holiday, you know. And uh, we had a five-hour layover in Chicago, and I think I said this before. I got stuck in Chicago, and I never thought of it, you know. And I started yeah. a night in the hotel because I missed me connect and fly back to Ireland, and I said, "Screw it." We got an Uber out to the house and an Uber straight back, you know. Stayed there oh, only fun. for one minute. Few photos. We had a Slovakian taxi driver who was like, "What is this house?" We're like, "Home alone." <laughs> Never seen it. I was like, "What if <laughs> you live on this?" So yeah. uh, I think it was ninety dollars for the taxi. We didn't care. We, we got that. I got about two hundred likes on Facebook. That was worth it. <laughs> yeah, there you nice. go. Uh, no, no good memories because that was another movie I loved as well. You know. Um, yeah. Fun. 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 Yeah, I mean, there's there's some things about this movie that I, you know, when watching it this time and, and recalling a lot of it as I was watching it, like I said, I, I completely forgot that I re- had seen this. And then certain scenes, I just vividly, immediately 
I was like, nope, I know exactly what's going to happen next. Um, you know, the scenes where Patch builds his machine, and at first everything is going fine. I'm like, no, you know what? It, I feel like in a couple of minutes there's there's going to be like this scene where like the, the screws are trying to go into the right holes, but everything's all wobbly, and it's going to come out bad, and, um, you know, it's it's not going to work quite right. And, um, and, and I could just – I was almost like picturing things before they were happening. I'm like, nope, I, I know I've seen this one. And I think particularly – one of the things I really like, especially about the beginning of the movie, and I feel like as a kid, that's probably one of the things I really enjoyed about this, was that initial scene, the story of how he becomes the Santa Claus, the Father Christmas that you know we, we know now in the stories and the legends. I feel like as a kid, I, I could have just sat in that part of the movie forever. You know, you get to the workshop, you get to the really colorful toys, and, and you, even to a modern audience, even to a, a kid in the 80s, there was just something magical, even though all the toys look very old and very like 18th, 19th century kind of, you know, wooden toys. I feel like even as a, a kid in 1985, I probably watched that and was like, this is so cool. Like all of this is yeah. so colorful. All of this is so, you know, it's the things that when I saw Elf yeah. as an adult, I'm like, that reminds me of something like the whole colorful yeah. Santa's workshop and the making the toys. And a, there's this reminds me of something and I can't quite figure out what it is. And then just all of the colors when you get to Santa's workshop and, and just kind of the, the magic of the whole thing and the majesty when he first walks into it, I'm like, aha, that's in my mind when I've got pictured a, a colorful, vast Santa's workshop with all these elves working and all these colorfully painted toys that's what I picture. I just didn't remember it was from this movie. Yeah. And that, that's what I was saying earlier about the Christmas Eve. I'd only ever watched this on Christmas Eve. I felt the TV guide. And uh, if it was on the day before Christmas Eve, I was like, no, I need, I need, I need, this is a Christmas Eve movie. And like I say, I said earlier, this made me dream. This is, is this really what his workshop is? Is this really what he looks like? Like to me, David Huddleston, Huddleston was, was Santa. And that made me dream all the colors, exactly what you say there. Yeah. Um, seeing all the, 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 the magical dust that made the reindeer uh, fly. Um, yeah, I, that's why I actually really can't wait for December 11th to actually sit in the cinema again and watch this, you know. Um, I'll probably burst yeah. into tears you now thinking of my mother and thinking of yeah. little old me. You know, I used to watch it and having the kids with me, you know, to be honest. Like, I get emotional about stuff like that, you know. So, uh, sure. Yeah, no, exactly what you said there resonates, uh, John. Uh, the coloring, the, just everything, how the ground there flew and um, how the workshop operated and how Santa looked. To me, that, that was it, you know. And I, I can, even I'm 42 now, I can still remember the eight year old me exactly what I thought and felt on Christmas Eve when I watched that movie, you know. Yeah. Fun. That's fun. That um, I don't know if you'd call it a set piece or whatever, but when they, when you have that image of Santa's, you have the North Pole of Santa's mm. house. Yeah. You know, you we mentioned that the um, the never ending story earlier, and boy, that looked like that could have been an image right out of the the never ending story. It just had that magic, mystical look about it, um, and it it just. It's just cool looking, and it and it's I don't know when I, just the way that looks. It makes me think of, of back to the nineteen eighties, you know, of of anything. Like I said, a lot of the a lot of the pieces in uh, Never Ending Story, you know, like the images you get or the um, the shots, just the way the special effects turn uh, look. Yeah. It just has a very characteristic look of it. It just seems magical. Yeah, I honestly don't know how they did it before the days of CGI, but I, I think I said this when I was on before, I don't really like CGI, I, I just, 
if there was a modern day film and it was CGI of that, it just wouldn't look the same. I don't know what it mm. is with the eighty special effects. Sometimes they actually look better and more authentic than see yeah. the massive, you know, technical expensive CGI that you have nowadays. I honestly don't know why, but to me, and I'm maybe biased because I'm an eighties kid. Um, but I think things like that, that house, that looks better now than what if they tried to recreate that now in a CGI setting. Yeah, with a green screen behind it. Yeah. Agreed. It just, it has a magical look to it. I, yeah. I don't, I wish I could describe it yeah. in other terms, but it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's very cool looking. One of the things that I, uh, when I was reading some of the background of this, that would have made this a completely different movie is the, I want to say the first person that they had offered the opportunity to direct this movie was John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Like, John, the thing, John Carpenter. <laughs> I'm like, huh? I don't, I don't know about that. That but, seems like a much different movie. Yeah, it seems a little yeah. bit more like uh, I'm. I'm a little, just for fun. I'm a little excited. I might go when it comes out in the theater. Uh, I might go see the one that David Harbor is going to be in coming soon, The Violent Night. Yeah, that looked interesting. Yeah. I, I saw it this morning. Yeah. Trailer this morning. Yeah, I, I saw the preview for that, and I'm like, I, I love a good you know, bashing heads movie every now and then. And as long as I don't take it too seriously, sure. Maybe I'll go see this in the theater. Um, I, f- I feel like a John Carpenter Santa Claus, the movie would be a little bit more along those lines. I, I don't know that I quite see it having the, uh, the same magic that uh, this one kind of has associated with it. Um, but it was kind of funny to read like some of the different, um, you know, some of the different takes that they had on the characters, you know, who was going to be, um, who was going to be the characters. I think um, Dudley Moore was pretty much always in their mind to play the main elf. I don't know that there were too many other choices for that. Um, I believe a couple things that I had read was the Salkinds um, had even looked at him to be a, a character in the Superman movies at some point. I guess they were considering doing uh, the uh, imp from the fifth dimension, Mr. Mixes Pitlick, and they were looking at Dudley Moore as playing that part. Um, huh. I guess that was, I, I think, an early draft of Superman 3 was supposed to have that character in it. And, I could uh, see that. Yeah, yeah, I actually think he would have been pretty good at it. I think it, it would have been kind of fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, they they were kind of looking at, they were kind of using, like, some of their Superman knowledge, which is why, and I totally agree with you, Potter, when you said that, um, you know, some of this has a, a bit of a Superman 2 kind of feel to it when you get to the city. Yeah. And even scenes when they're in the snow, I'm like, yeah. I, I, I would Superman just... Superman gets to be up in the diner. Yeah, I, I would like, I, I could yeah. totally see, like, you got this blinding light in the background. If that was the Fortress of Solitude, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm just, I'm getting this vibe here because it just, it seems, it feels so similar um, and I guess they kind of looked at a couple of other uh, Superman actors to possibly take some of these parts. Um, I, they were looking for, they had somebody for the role of BZ. They were looking at somebody like a Gene Hackman. They're like, well, we want somebody that has big star power. Um, so we want somebody like a Gene Hackman. I don't know that they actually offered it to Gene Hackman himself, um, but I know that Harrison Ford was originally offered the role of BZ. That would have been totally different than uh, than the John Lithgow. I don't know that I could see Harrison Ford doing the free line. Uh-huh. I, I can't see that. I, I, I see it more of a free. Are you, are you kidding me, kid? You're going to give him away for free? 
<laughs> no, that's not how we do it here. Um, but just so much fun to see some of these other big name actors, even though they've got small parts in this movie, um, you know, seeing Burgess Meredith show up for like all of 30 seconds in the movie. It was just kind of fun to see him as the ancient elf um, and just and fun to see just some of these other um, people uh, pop up here and there. What I think would have been uh, fun in particular, and, and I wish that when I, I wish I was more into movies the way I am now when we lived over there, because I know that they filmed this at Pinewood Studios in England, and that was just down the street from where I lived when I lived in uh, in England. And if they were doing tours of the um, of the studios there, I, I would have loved to have gone to see you know if they had. You know, if they had props from this movie or any yep. of the other movies they filmed there or, um, you know, just this just so much fun stuff was filmed at Pinewood. And and when I saw that this had been filmed there, I'm like, OK, I can uh, I, I can see I can see some similarities to some other. Uh, not that the sets are, are the same, but I can see some simila- similarities to other movies that, that got filmed there just from some of the kind of look and feel of things. Um, do you have do you have a favorite scene? in this movie. I'm going to go around and ask everybody if you've got a favorite scene in particular or, um, Oh, you know what? I, I didn't ask this one. So Patrick, you, you kind of already let us know that this is the first movie you saw in the theater. Um, mm-hmm. the, the rest of the guys here, uh, is this the first time you had seen this movie or had you seen it before? Oh gosh. I saw it probably not right when it came out. Cause as you already pointed out, John, we would have been four. Yeah. Um, but soon, I mean, I saw it young. I've, love this movie. I've seen it tons of times. Okay. It, I, it's about an every year rewatch for me. Okay. I say about because unlike some Christmas movies, this one's not as easy to find sometimes. Mm-hmm. This was a first time for me. Okay. I hadn't, to be honest, I hadn't even heard of it before. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. And I, I gotta be honest. I, um, I, this one might go in the family. Um, what am I trying to say? This might go in the family rotation for this year. Um, and I'm sure we'll get more into the details as we go, but especially, uh, the reindeer scenes. I just, I, I know that was, those are some of my favorite scenes and it was, um, I think the kids would love it too. It's just the way they featured the reindeer. Um, the way they kind of differentiated between the different reindeer, you know, which was the one had the monocles. And one had the monocle yeah. in one eye and one had the monocle in the, I mean, it was just, it's, it's fun. I know I'm getting a little bit more in depth in terms of, of, of your question there, John, but yeah, I, um, this was a first time watch. And I think this, like I said, as soon as, um, I got done watching it, I told Tammy, I'm like, I think I got a Christmas movie. We're going to watch this year. Um, so I, I think the kids would really get a kick out of it. Yeah. That's made my day here. Enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, cheers. Thank you for the recommendation. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Love to hear that. I, uh, I've, God, I've seen this movie so many times. I, I didn't get a chance to watch it for the, uh, for our recording tonight, but I don't feel like I have to, like, I feel like I'm really well-versed with this movie. It's one of those that I'll watch. I'll put this on like in the middle of June. Like it doesn't well, have for to- Christmas too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like it, it, it doesn't have to be a, it doesn't have to be Christmas time for me to watch this. Um, yeah. I just, I, I really like this movie. 
And of course, now looking at it with a more critical lens, there are things that I find interesting about it, odd about it that uh, hopefully we can discuss in a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not my first time seeing this movie at all. You know, I'm going to, and I'm going to back up Jeff and I were talking a little bit about the, uh, uh, the movie earlier today and I'll freely admit I, um, especially what, 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 what was that? What are you going to say about this, Pat? I was going to say, I don't see a lot of Christmas movies. And like when I was telling, (laughs) well, when I because I think what I told you when I saw you today, I'm like, you know, I don't see a lot of Christmas movies. And your answer was, well, because you hate Christmas, you know? And then my response was something like, yeah, bah humbug or whatever. But it's, it's funny because like for my family, we had our go-to Christmas movies that we would just watch every year. Um, And, and it was the one that you mentioned earlier, a Christmas story and then National Lampoons. And those were the two that like, we would just go back to, we would just go back to. And so I, I'm always fascinated when we get to this time of year, um, because you know, just about all the rest of you guys on the podcast uh, see many different Christmas movies and so on. And, and um, you know, Bo, I'm always fascinated with, I, don't you watch like, uh, not a Christmas story. What am I trying to say? Uh, Chris, um, Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. And uh, I think you, don't you watch like, you've seen every version of the Christmas Carol and you watch like well, six I, of them every year. Or, I, I, I mean, can't claim to have seen every version because every year I find more, but yeah, I try, I try to have uh, caught them all. And I usually see four or five, six of them a year. I was actually just combing through all the streaming services and all of the awesome. video options I have to see what I could grab. And there's always a couple it's so weird. It's like how this one's hard to find. There are yeah. some that every year I have trouble with. There's a great animated one called Christmas Carol, the movie that okay. is a challenge to find every year. Right. Um, but I tracked it down on, it might've been on Pluto, like one of the stranger streaming services. And I, Oh no, it wasn't that. You know what it was? It was canopy and hoopla through the library. Oh, there you go. What? But found that's, them. That, that's a deep. <laughs> Whatever works, man. Right. Well, well, yeah. I mean, and, and so, like I said, like, you know, not to be pointing the finger and say all of you, but you know, you guys definitely see more Christmas movies frequently. I'll happen upon things. Um, so, like I said, the flip side is I've never, I've never seen this movie. I had never heard of it. Um, and so, you know, whenever we, you know, whenever we're able to get another movie and kind of throw it in the, a rotation that's always that's always exciting and um it's fascinating to hear you guys talk about it and say you know this movie was really what kind of established the way you think of santa's workshop and and um the way you see christmas and you know the color and and just kind of that old world toy kind of image um just because i don't frequently see a ton of different christmas movies unless it's like a recommendation or so on um, I'm always like, okay, well, did this come first? Is this, you know, like, cause it does, it seems to have that like look to it. Um, so it, it's always like, okay, am I, you know, why is that? Was this one of the first movies that did that? Or is it one of the, anyways, I'm kind of like rambling on, but the point is I don't see a lot of Christmas movies. So it's always exciting to come across one that just, um, is this much fun. And, uh, uh, you know, like I said, has this feel to it. And John, I'm kind of getting ahead of it because I know we're going to get into the the things you like and all that. But 
boy, I am shocked that John Lithgow w- was was so apprehensive about his performance because like I told Jeff today, that guy seems to be like movie gold and whatever he's in, he just always brings his A game. And he, I was so entertained watching him, you know, just completely the mustache twirling bad guy, like even hearkening back to those like 1960s-esque like bad guys, right? You know, like like totally out of the um, the great race. Push the button, Max. That kind of a <laughs> bad guy, just so over the top with things. Um, he was just so good in this. Just so good in this. So there you go. You got that and more for what was the first time I saw it? Well, I think it was actually to a day, because I think I saw it on the 27th, to a day to the day it came out. Um, oh. So... Fun, fun stuff, and just a great movie. Nice. Um, I will add, so just real quick, while you were talking about other Christmas movies, and you'll probably appreciate this one. When I came, I was driving one of the kids somewhere, and then I came home, and my wife and my daughter were watching a different Christmas movie that they had found. I think it's on Netflix, and I don't know if you've seen it or not. Pat, you might like you and your kids might like this because there's several actors in it who had been in the Harry Potter movies. Um, there's no. a movie called, a, I think it's called A Boy Named Christmas. Has anybody Never seen that one? No. no. Okay. It actually was, you know, at first when, when we put it on, I mean, it's a newer movie. It's, it's probably from, you know, like within the last couple years or so. And at first I'm, I'm sitting down and watching it. I'm like, oh yeah, this is one of those like new Christmas movies that's trying to be, you know, you know, the, the spirit of Christmas. And it's, you know, it's not going to be good as these classics, but as we're watching it, I'm like, you know what? Actually, this is pretty good. And it was another, what kind of made it really interesting was having just watched Santa Claus the movie. We're then watching this movie, A Boy Named Christmas, and it's very similar. Like how this one, at the beginning of this movie, it's the origin story of Santa Claus. It's how he became the Santa Claus of legend that we know. This movie, same kind of idea. It's a it's a little boy, and the king of their country has commanded that someone bring him like it's it's all very hopeless and commanded that someone in the kingdom bring him an example of hope to inspire the kingdom and the whole story is he's got um kind of his pet reindeer that he travels around with he's got a uh, a little talking mouse that he kind of travels around with and it's all it's live action except for the mouse um and but it's kind of there's little hints here and there that eventually this boy um you know he's his name is Nicholas, and his mom used to call him, uh, used to call him Christmas after the after her favorite day of the year, and and you you very much get the idea that this is also the origin story of Santa Claus, of Father Christmas, and and it actually ended up being a really fun movie or like a really cute movie. So it was a good if if you my recommendation would be if you wanted to pair Santa Claus the movie with yeah. like a, another kind of modern movie that uh what's what's the phrase a spiritual successor uh to santa claus the movie i'd say that's probably not a bad one to kind of pair it with it's on i think it's on netflix um Ah. but it actually ended up being a really good little movie and there's there's at least two or three uh harry potter alum in there i we have seen this movie and i think it was something that that and again tam wasn't me that uh that sought it out but tammy was like Hey, that looks really good. And as you're describing it, I'm like, yes, we have seen this movie. Okay. So awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, back to Santa Claus the movie. What are some of the things you loved about this movie? You know, are there specific scenes? Is there a line? Is there, 
Um, you know, is it every time that Dudley Moore replaces the word self with the word elf um, and, and builds up his elf confidence? Um, what is it? What are some of the things that you really enjoy about this movie? Is there a particular scene or, or a particular uh, joke that they do in this? I like the origin stuff. <clears throat> yeah. It's like the, the unique take on the origin of the, the character and mythos of Santa Claus. Yeah. Like here's a guy that seemingly does what Santa does, right? He goes and visits yeah. villages to bring toys to uh, young children and they carry and they carry in that mythos of Santa and, um, and then they take the, this real person and put him in a, a position where he ends up assuming the identity of Santa Claus for all the children of the world. Yeah. I liked that. I thought that was a really neat way to just to, to bring in the idea of Santa Claus. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I said earlier that I could have watched, and not that I didn't also enjoy the second half of the movie, if you would have just kept going with that, like if the first half of the movie had continued on and you, you never brought this to modern day and an American city and any of this other stuff, I, I could have totally, if you just continued on and, and did a movie that kept itself in the North Pole the entire time, I would have been totally fine with that too. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like when they first meet him. I'm sorry, I, I just interrupted. No, no. no, no go, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say, it's almost like a learner guide for kids. For me as a kid, I always think back what I used to think when I was watching the movie. And um, like what Jeff was saying there, it's a great little explanation almost to how Santa came into being. I always look at it in the context of me as an eight-year-old kid watching in, in, in Dublin, watching it on TV on Christmas Eve. What I thought, like I said, to me, I was like, that's probably what his workshop looked like. That's what probably Santa looks like. The whole uh, origins of the story. It was a great little explainer to me. He's like, oh, that's how he came about. That all makes sense. And I know I'm 42 years of age now, but I can still remember the context that I watched it in as an eight-year-old. Exactly what Jeff said there. It was a great kind of almost like beginner's guide as to how Santa came into being. I think it's, it's a perfect movie for kids. Um, and it's great even you watching it as a as a, as a as a, I don't want to say middle-aged man, but I don't know. <laughs> 40 You're over 40, surely. <laughs> Holy joke. I am. I am. I am. Yeah. I am. Uh, so it's great to hear even you watching it for the first time. You really liked it as well. So, Yeah. It, you know, and it's like, well, we watch a lot of, uh, you know, we talk, well, we watch a lot of comic book movies and Marvel movies and all that. And origin stories are always the, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and I mean, I'm thinking back and it's funny you know, all the different Batman movies, they, there's many times, and I think we've even discussed it here. Mm-hmm. Hey, we all know the Batman origin story. We don't need to see it again. We don't, you know, because realistically, the origin story of Batman is like going to always be the same, right? Yeah. But for, for Santa, I almost said Santa Man, but all, <laughs> for Santa Claus, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of, as long as you don't make it too over the top, you can really do different takes on those origin stories. Right. And it's, um, you know, and it's, it, you know, to quote our, our often used quote from uh, the karate kid um, and guys, please don't pick on Bo tonight, but to often use that quote from the karate kid, you know, it's like, if done right, no, no, you know, no can, def- no can defense. Yeah. It's like that. As long as you make, as long as it's an interesting story, you can really, not do what you well yeah you can kind of do what you want with the origin story and so that's where 
that's where you can kind of get the double shot. Wow, this was a really good origin story. We really like it. Slash, it can be completely unique to the next Santa Claus movie that you see in terms of origin stories. So it's kind of a fun... um, it's, it's kind of a fun genre to have an origin story for because you can be unique, f- fresh, and excited. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's totally. you know, it's, it's, there's, that's an area where uh, uh, um, writers can take some artistic license and really do creative things, you know? Totally. So it's, it's, it's fun. I was just going to say, I like when they meet the elves for the first time yeah. and they're all looking around and then yeah. the, um, Patch is crawling under the sleigh and like, oh, well, he's still using the such and such, such and such on this one. Like he's like, you know, like the guy looking under the hood of the car, you know, he's like, we can, we can soup that we can change this. We can alter that. We can, you know, and he's already like checking it all out. And I, I thought that was pretty funny. I thought that was pretty funny. So that's I think, good. I think my favorite part, as I kind of mentioned earlier, was the first introduction of the workshop. Like when you first get in there and just how, mm-hmm bright Mm -hmm. and colorful everything is and and you know and it it magnified my enjoyment of that scene to then read behind the scenes stuff and find out that every toy that was made in this movie was donated to uh, like children's shelters and things like that after the movie was done so i'm like okay that's that's already very awesome like the the fact that just how colorful it was how how much fun this was to watch as a kid and then to find out that, you know, they, they took all of that and donated it to, to kids who needed toys after this was all done is, that's just, you know, icing on the cake. Um, the other thing, I, the, the other comment I was going to make kind of in general about the movie and I think why, um, you know, even though some people malign it uh, and, and have a little bit of a harsh criticism of it is... I felt like, and especially watching it as an adult after not having seen this for a very long time, I was trying to, in my own mind, I was like, there's something, and I almost used the word weird. I'm like, there's something weird about this movie. Like, I remember it, and now I'm as I'm watching it, I'm starting to remember that I really liked this as a kid. I really had fun watching this as a kid, and watching it as an adult, there's just something a little weird about this movie and I couldn't quite picture what it was until we kind of started to get through all those scenes at the beginning, you know, the origin of Santa and the workshop and the elves and everything else. And it kind of finally hit me. I was like, this movie is really sincere. Like it's not, it's not cynical. It's not trying to like satirize anything. It's not poking fun at anything. It's not, um, you know, and, and, and I love elf uh, the movie just as much as the next person. Um, but it's kind of a, it, it seems like there are moments where it's this unique, I don't even know if it's unique, but the, like the take on this movie is we're going to seriously present you with a, an, a take on the origin story of Santa Claus and just take it at face value. And I'm like, I think as a, as a your place. Yeah. But I feel like there's a weird tonal shift in this movie. And it loses its sincerity at some point. Is it when it gets to the city? It might be when it gets to the city. Okay. I mean, yeah, probably when it gets to the city. And it, I feel like it, it loses some of that sincerity. I, I feel like at that point they start treating Santa a little bit too, as if he's too naive mm-hmm. to the ways of the world in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like he'd be more aware of 
If, you know, if he's on, if he's keeping track of the good boys and girls and the good people and the bad people, he'd be more aware of like how the world is working at that point. So I, I just feel like there's a weird shift in the tone that doesn't quite balance in the movie. Now, again, I watch this movie a lot, so it doesn't yeah. stop me from watching it, but yeah. looking at it with a critical eye, that is something that, that I bump on is just like, it starts out so sweet and sincere and, and this precious Christmas thing. And then it just like, it, it's not that anymore. And even though they try to bring it back to that mm-hmm. and keep visiting that, try to get that moment back, there's something about how hard it hits in the city that it just doesn't quite come back to that sincerity that it started with yeah. for me. Yeah. And I, th- I think I agree with you on that. Cause it's the, the scenes, once we get to the city and it's the scenes with BZ and patch I mean, th- and those are fun. Like, don't get me wrong. Those are fun scenes. I, I don't think I, that's maybe a little bit too harsh. Uh, I don't think I enjoy those scenes quite as much as I do the scenes that take place at the North pole. Um, just because I, I really enjoy those scenes it's, the other ones are still fun. Like I still, I, I get huge third rock from the sun vibes as John Lithgow is, is, you know, playing this character. Um, but I agree with you on that point. Like, I think it, it does, yeah. it loses a little bit of the magic kind of once we get to the city scenes and tries to regain it again by the end. Um, and I think as a kid watching it, I, I wouldn't have noticed that shift as much and watching exactly. it this time, watching it this time I do. Um, but I do think the beginning, like the first half or so of the movie, the first third of the movie, um, it's almost the sincerity of that beginning almost feels weird compared to a lot of movies now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see, I can see what you're saying there. It's, it's almost comparatively, it's almost too sincere. It's too gentle because we're now so conditioned to just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. And the fact that you get so far into the film before anything like that happens, you're like, is this really like, is this movie just going to melt my heart the entire time? Right. Because I'm okay with that. I could use something. I'm fine with that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not used to that happening. So let's keep it going. Yeah. But anyway, that, that was just one of the areas where uh, critically I kind of, I, I kind of bump on the movie. Okay. Is there anything, Patrick, I was going to ask you, is there anything, um, I know you're saying this is the first movie you saw in the theaters and you, you've uh-huh. loved this movie. Is there anything about this movie now when you watch it again as an adult, is there anything that kind of hits you a little bit different when you watch it now? Um, a little. Like I will get a bit, um, like I say, when I was a kid, I never got that bike. I was a very, very, very good kid. So... <laughs> I relate to Joe <laughs> never getting what he wanted as a kid. Yeah. Um, although not, I'm not sure Joe was that good a kid, in fairness. <laughs> but um, I always say this to my other half, if you had me as a kid, you would have loved me. I just never get back cheek. I was just genuine. So I used to see other kids that were really bad in school and they'd get really nice bikes and I'd say to me, father, how come such and such got a bike? He's really bad. How come? I thought you have to be good. And I don't know, I, I probably broke his heart. You know, he probably killed him that he couldn't get me what I wanted. So watching it back as an adult now, when I see 
you know, uh, Joe saying how he never got what he wanted and he'd, what he asked for or whatever. Um, that would hit me because I, I could relate to that and myself, you know. Because, um, again, I used to watch this movie on Christmas Eve and dream of that bike thinking, I've been so good and my school reports are great. And it never came. And, again, me saying to my mother and father, oh, how come such and such got a bike looking at this other dude out on his new bike on Christmas, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, it hits me now. I look back on it. I must have broke their heart saying that. I'm not realising you know what I was doing because <laughs> um, you just didn't have it I, m- I remember even listening to the Commitments episode and Pat was saying how Dublin was you know you, you know, you see the nice hills but there's a lot of poverty all over Ireland's completely different now we probably have one of the highest standard livings in the world but in the 80s and 90s Ireland was a different place um, now I don't think many kids if they want a bike they're going to get one you know Um mm-hmm. You know now, but in the eighties, I mean, I think we we had to rent our TV in the eighties. That's how bad it was. We actually didn't own our TV in the eighties and nineties. You know, so mm-hmm. it hits me now. I always, and I'm sure I'll watch it now, and I'll probably have a bit of a, a lump in my throat, and I'll watch the scenes where kids are talking. You know, Joe was talking about you know getting what he wanted. I'll I'll relate to that definitely. So as an adult now, um, and I think now I think I don't know if you are the same, but I think, and I know talking to people from my friends in the eighties, uh, we were all in the same boat. You know, we hadn't got much. We were, we were from that kind of area that you would have seen in the commitments movie. Um, we all have the same thing. We were trying to overcompensate. Now we're our kids. You know, anything they want, we have to get. We can't have them feeling like we did when we were growing up. You know, thinking, why didn't I get this? And so, uh, yeah, that's the one thing that would hit me now um, as an adult. That, uh, yeah. I can relate to Joe in some ways. I wasn't on the streets. I wasn't that poor. <laughs> right. But being uh, where he talks about not getting what he wanted and things like that, that, that would hit me now as a far guy. I can relate to that going back as a kid, you know? Yeah. Well, I got, I was happy with that. Yeah. I will say when I woke up and there was toys at the end of the bed, it was the only time we ever got toys. So I will say I absolutely love Christmas. That's what I with this movie. I, I, I live for Christmas Eve. And again, I think it was the only one in my class that was allowed to say, up. everyone was put to bed at seven, eight o'clock. I always was there. Yeah. Uh, Allowed to stay up, which is weird. I, I still don't think I've ever met anyone in my life that said, Yeah, we were allowed to stay up and wait for Santa or Santa, as you call him. And uh, I always miss him by five minutes, by the way. Always five minutes. So, <laughs> so that's fun. And I get him. <laughs> that's fun. And that, that's that's a that's a fun tradition. That That's pretty cool. Yeah. I was, yeah. I literally get, couldn't wait for the TV guy to come out for Christmas and look up Christmas Eve and plan my. Um, TV up until I'd say to me, Dad, what time did he make it? 2.30 a.m. Okay, and I'd plan my TV schedule, what would keep me awake till half two. That was the only time we ever allowed to watch what we wanted on the TV was Christmas. Every year, me dad was like, Stalin, we weren't getting that remote, you know, on the adult, <laughs> you know. So, uh, yeah, Christmas, he was cool. He let us stay up. And, yeah, again, I thought that was so cool. I was allowed to stay up on Christmas Day. So we plan all these movies and go, okay, I watched this movie from midnight to two. That'll nearly take me to half two. He came a half two last year. Just these little silly things that I remember now as an adult, you know. And now my kids are up to bed. I, I don't let them stay up. <laughs> what, what great memories. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. That's fantastic. Ah, yeah, no, I'd be sentimental, you know. <laughs> I feel like yeah. the rest of us need to go in and, and send you a bike this year. Ah. Somehow get you a bike. Like it breaks my heart uh, that, that you never got. Yeah. To, I, I want to do something about that. Ah uh, no 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 no! I, I'm, I'm a spoiled brat now. I look at I I, uh, I spoil myself these days. But uh, it's funny we have a bike up in the up. Uh, I won't say where. <laughs> <A little laughs> this year, so uh, you know, it's my it's now my time to give bikes. You know, so right. yeah. That's that's fun that you say that uh, uh, you know you, your dad always let you stay up and you know yeah. you always miss Santa by five minutes you know and it's funny because I think back and and 
I, I don't think I could stay up for anything if I ever wanted. So I think that was something that my parents would always probably just say, yeah, Patrick, you go ahead. You just stay awake. That's fine. Yeah. Just say no. They, you know, I'd be asleep. Yeah. yeah, four or five minutes, yeah. you know, I'd be out one way or the other. But yeah, that's yeah. Uh, just that, just that excitement, you know, just that excitement of anticipation. Cause my kids yeah. will do that now, you know, they'll yeah. just like, I can't sleep. You know, you just, yeah. I hear them as a, as a father, you know, you hear your kids rolling around, yeah. rustling around in bed and I, is everything okay? I can't sleep. I just can't sleep. You know, and you know that like that overtired excitement kind of yeah. keeping you awake thing. That's pretty yeah. cool. My oldest, that's pretty cool. My oldest Thomas has already told us that he's planning on staying up to see Santa. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't let us this podcast. I give him ideas. He doesn't have a plan, but he knows that I, I'm going to stay up. And I told him, I said, well, I used, I used to try the same thing and I would always fall asleep. And the next morning I'd find out I missed him. So you, you can try, but I don't think it's going to work. I always miss him by five minutes. <laughs> what time do your kids all wake up? I'm curious. To... Um, what time do they wake up? My kids will wake up usually between six thirty and seven thirty. Yeah. yeah, it's um. I think I was about five to six, five to six a.m. I always remember this because I grew up in a housing estate in Dublin. It was a it was a council estate, um, a social housing kind of estate, you know. And people would be out at five a.m., five thirty a.m., all playing out on the new bikes and their skateboards and everything else. And I remember that that doesn't happen anymore because everybody gets video games and like our little. Rory got a PlayStation 5, so he never left the house on Christmas Day. Whereas when I was a kid, kids went out and played at like literally 5 and 6 a.m. I'm not kidding. It'd be pitch black and, you know, kids be on. But I don't know if that happened in the States. Would that be a thing? Or I don't think they'd be outside playing. Probably not that no. early in the morning. Or, I was the probably depending on where in the States they live. I mean, you know, weather permitting. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I know that a lot of kids would probably wake up earlier than usual because of the excitement, but I don't like, <clears throat> I always grew up and, and I'm, and the way that um, now that as a father, we do things is like, we, I try to keep it on a schedule. Like, well, you, the clock has to say this time before we can start opening presents. So the kids aren't going to like run downstairs and tear into everything and be ready, yeah. be ready to play right away. Um, they, you know, they know that they're going to have to wait a little bit until, everyone's up and ready and, and, you know, and, and we're good to go. Cause, um, but yeah, I don't know. I've, I've never seen anyone else outside early in the morning playing around with stuff, but. So we would, Dublin thing, yeah. we would always, we would always actually kind of sleep in on Christmas morning because Jeez. my dad was, he, he was really impatient. And so it kind of went back to when he and my mom got married and, my dad's family was in Texas and my mom's family was in Missouri. And so they would one night, they would go see one of the families on Christmas Eve night and open presents Christmas Eve night. And then they would go drive the six or eight hours or whatever it was to see the other family the next morning. And then they'd open presents, you know, Christmas morning uh, or later in the day on Christmas. Once they got there, they would open their presents on Christmas. So my dad being super impatient, to, you know, open presents and give presents and everything else and see, you know, the kids open their presents. Uh, our tradition growing up was you always open your gifts on Christmas Eve night. And so that growing up, I, I thought that's what everybody did. I was like, oh, I you know, Santa comes at some point before Christmas Eve and drops off all the presents and 
we open them all Christmas Eve night. Of course, then we stay up and play with them a lot Christmas Eve night. And so then we, you know, we fall asleep at like 11 o'clock midnight, one in the morning after playing with all of our toys. And then you sleep in until about lunchtime on Christmas Day. So then when I got married, my wife's family, they do the whole Christmas morning thing. And I remember the first couple of years of that, I was like, oh, this is so difficult. Like, I'm, I'm so <laughs> used to it. Can, can we open like one present Christmas Eve? No, no, we have to do that. So now we have, you know, the kids Christmas morning. We, we do it all Christmas morning. And the one thing they have to wait for is everybody, all the adults, we have to sit down and have breakfast first. So we're always going to have breakfast. We're going to have a a coffee cake. We're going to have some other stuff. And as soon as the adults have had their coffee and we have the coffee cake and everybody's finished with breakfast, then we'll go into the living room and then we'll open presents. So my daughter, every single year, she's like, could we like get up a little earlier and like start breakfast, maybe like half an hour, an hour earlier than we normally do? Like, and you guys eat too slow. Like you need to eat faster so that we can get this done and get in there and start opening. So every year she lobbies for a, a quicker, earlier breakfast so that we can get going with all this. <laughs> it's fun. That's that's the first time I've ever heard someone had their presence on Christmas Eve, John. That is the first time I've ever heard that in my life, to be honest. And it was I was really? so I was so used to it yeah, growing up. Right. I was so used to it growing up that it was weird to do it any other time. Like when I when I met my wife and, and they're like, Oh yeah, we open on Christmas morning. I was like, Really? Why? <laughs> Because that's what you do. You open, you're like, sometimes the gifts don't even show up under the tree until Christmas morning. I'm like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> like, our, our gifts are Mind under the tree. Blown. Like, I, Santa Claus comes in like early December and puts all the all the gifts under the tree. Like, what what is this? Like, More of a Saint Nick festival, sure, Saint Nicholas like type a, of Saint family. Like yeah. a, a December sixth yeah. kind of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It was it was weird to me the first time we had to do it on Christmas morning. Huh. That's interesting. Well, is there anything else in, in kind of wrapping up our discussion of Santa Claus, the movie, uh, which if you have not seen it, as, as, as I think Patrick had mentioned or, or a couple other people had mentioned, um, this is not always an easy one to find. So if you're looking to find this one, I think it's either uh, I think you probably purchase it uh, online somewhere. There might be a couple places where it's streaming, um, but this can be a little bit of a challenge, challenging one to find sometime. But I think well worth your time if you do get a chance to find this one. It is a fun, if you're a John Lithgow fan, uh, it, it is fun to see him play the uh, mustache twirling villain that he plays in this one. Uh, even though I don't think he has a mustache, but uh, he twirls his imaginary mustache as he delivers his his different lines in this one. My favorite line <laughs> of, him, of his is, a sequel, we'll call it Christmas 2. Um, it's actually, now this is obviously... Um, not every time, but is currently at this point, if someone's listening to this, available on Prime Streaming and Disney Plus. Okay. Okay. Really? Oh, cool. Nice. But as we know, things pop on and off of they, streaming services, so your mileage may vary. They they come and go. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mentioned the other thing that I bumped on with this movie. Yeah, go for it. And this is and this is when I watched it as a kid. Yeah. I always felt <clears throat> that they got the the toys wrong or the type of toys wrong, mm. especially for the time period. No, I didn't see it right away. Uh, I probably saw it maybe 86, 87. But even in the present day of the movie, I felt like, you know, why, I, I haven't seen a kid ride a wooden 
Mm. And I don't know if ever. So I always felt like their, their transition in showing progression of time and that Santa has, has been being Santa for years and years and years and years and years and years. And years right. I just felt like they, they missed on present day with the toys that they decided to use in the movie to represent present day. And I never yeah. could figure out why. And maybe it's because the wooden toys worked well for the assembly line idea. And in Sam's <clears throat> workshop, you could like you definitely get the idea like they're building these things by hand and and patches machines to try to increase supply. But I was I always felt like who would yeah. want to play with these toys? This isn't like this is not my, not on my Christmas list. I don't know what these things are. It's it's Christmas magic, Jeff. It's Christmas magic, and and now who's being cynical? And now who hates Christmas? Patrick Miguel. <laughs> uh, I so to be fair, Patrick, Patrick told me this morning. I, I believe his comment was, "This is this just a, this, this isn't his go-to genre." Uh, yeah, uh, that's and that's exactly what I was saying. Like, I don't and I yeah, didn't it, call him Scrooge. There was no bah humbug. No, you just were like, yeah, that's because you hate Christmas. And I, I believe you said it. I, I believe you said that in the hallway is like kids were walking by giving me this look. Um, but wow. uh, no. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I'm thinking back to all the Christmas, like Ernest saves Christmas. What side of the sleepover friends recommended? Um, they, you know, like just going down the line, we had the two go to movies. Um, but all the other ones were like friends recommended or someone says, check this out and, um, all that kind of thing. But I was going to say, as far as the wooden toys, wasn't that the idea that like Santa was why he needed to do the upgrades is because he felt like he was out of touch. Right. Like, I mean, and maybe I, I got, I got it wrong, but wasn't, wasn't there the scene when he's, when Santa's sitting there and he's bummed out and the person says, we've developed a new doll and Santa's like, does it fly? And then the guy's like, it wets itself or something like that. And the music's like, you know, and I mean, I know they weren't going for a laugh, but I mean, even in that scene where you just ate, you know, Santa's down and out at this point, but wasn't that kind of part of the thing is that the, you know, he was trying to do his upgrades so that his toys were more current. Yeah, I guess, but I just felt like they never got there. Like right. they, they just, they never reached the upgrade to represent what toys of the mid eighties were. Yeah. 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 I thought that was, kind of, my, my thought was that that was kind of done on purpose, like to kind of keep it a, almost like oh. a, a frozen in time kind of deal where, cause you have these kids, if this really and truly was real kids in the mid eighties, kids are not going to be throwing a kid up against a chain link fence saying, well, you know, Santa Claus makes crappy toys. And you can't trust him to make good toys. I mean, that's not a comment a normal kid is going to make in real life, in the real world. So I always thought that the the fact that you saw kids in the mid-80s riding around on toys that looked like they were designed for kids in the, you know, 1880s um, was always kind of a way of, of almost like freezing the innocence and magic of Christmas in time. Now, unrealistic okay. in terms of like what actual 80s kids would have played with, but that's kind of, that, that was the take I could. Don't put it in the eighties then because that loses its like if that if that if that was the reason why they decided to do that, 
to kind of make the movie itself a bit more timeless, then don't put the setting in the eighties. But how are you going to get the evil eighties businessman? Well, then you need to have everything else. I could, it just, it doesn't line up. It doesn't align. Okay. I, I did think the same as Jeff growing up as well. I remember thinking I really want the bike, but I wouldn't, I don't want that piece of wood and crap. No, I do have to see Jeff's, uh, I think the scene that Pat talks about where he's depressed, I think his thing was that uh, Patch was outshining him uh, with his oh, toy that made yeah. you know, kids fly. I don't think it was that he was like, my toys aren't up to grade. I think it was his depression was brought on by Patch maybe showing him up a bit that his toys were falling apart and Patch was, yeah. you know, leading the, you know, being a trailblazer, so to speak, in, in, in the yeah. world with kids, you know, with this amazing invention. Yeah. I think that's more what that scene was setting. Got it. Um, I, I honestly did think the same. Again, I, I look at it in the context of me as an eight-year-old growing up watching on Chris's Zoo. I thought the very same thing as a kid that Jeff did. I thought she's those toys are pretty crap, and toys now are better. What's he doing making that? You know, I did. I honestly did. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, I watch this movie a lot, so it's not like I'm sitting there going, "Well, that just ruins it." But if we're here to talk about movies in a critical way, yeah. that's something yeah. that stands out to me. Is like, you know, it. it it's got to, it, it, there, there needs to be an alignment. It's like, you know, when I see uh, a production uh, or, or recently, recently, not recently, when I worked at the theater, we did a production of a play called Bleacher Bums. That's about the Chicago Cubs or Cubs fans sitting out in the bleachers in the 1970s. And we put this thing on in the 2010s, right? In the, in the 20 teens. And there was some response to it as well. Why wouldn't you update the players' names used in the play so people know who you're talking about. Well, if we did that, the movie wouldn't make sense because the the bleachers wouldn't ever be empty or the play wouldn't make sense because the bleachers would never be empty. The whole idea is that the Cubs were so bad. They were, it, it was the bleacher bums were those regular guys that showed up to every game and there was so much space around them. But if you're going to update one part of it, then you need to be able to update the whole thing and the concept wouldn't work. I feel this, the same way with, with this movie. If you're going to update and and drop this movie in the present day of its, you know, of its time, then everything should come along with it. If you want to make a choice that's going to make it seem timeless, then you can't, like, I, I don't know. It just, the, the two parts don't add up for me. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, and the irony is they, they play it off as a laugh, but now they have dolls that wet themselves. Right. <laughs> now it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's cool to pee your pants. I, I'm just saying that the montage where all the toys were falling apart. I'm just saying the montage where all the toys were falling apart and then the one goes down the hill and gets run over by the bus. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that they were necessarily playing that for laughs, but I mean, the, the, the cynical side of me is, like, oh my gosh, that's terrible kind of thing. Well, uh, that's what that I have to was... say about that one, though. I felt like that that one bothered me because I felt like they're trying to show that all Santa's toys were falling apart, but then they show it getting run over by a bus. That's not Santa's fault. <laughs> I thought that too. I thought that too. I thought that too. This is this is the too. scene where I had flashbacks to the Superman movies, especially Superman two, when all the things are falling apart and you've got like this 
this steady stream of, okay, well, this kid's thing is falling apart. Now this one gets run over by a bus. Now this one, like, it made me think of the times where, um, like, when, when, the, when Zod and the other Kryptonian criminals are standing in the street and they're blowing their super breath, and you see just one right after the other, like, horrible things happening. Like somebody, a, a phone booth toppling over, or somebody it topples over a... A, um, a fire hydrant and water is going everywhere and some guy's trying to talk on the phone to his mother and and he gets blown away and you know a newsstand you know newspapers blow in people's faces and like it's one catastrophe after another and I, I got the same vibe from that scene when you like see all the stuff start to fall apart I'm like okay I this is totally I'm, I'm getting another vibe from the Superman producers here and it's I'm, I'm feeling a little bit like this is a Superman 2 moment funny stuff all right is there anything else that we want to say before we wrap up anything uh anything we want to leave the people with in terms of why they should go check this movie out i i think it was all in the in the in the episode it's just a like i found it a a a good a good not like in terms of well it was good okay but just good as opposed to bad it 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 didn't have that cynical kind of thing like we talked about. I think it was just a fun story of Christmas with a lot of heart to it. Absolutely. Summed up. That's it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Padraig, for recommending this one to us. Um, I mean, every single one of your recommendations, uh, it's either ones we haven't seen, haven't seen in a long time, or, um, you know, just always always fun movies to go back and look at. And, and not ones, you know, this one, like I said, I had forgotten about. So without your recommendation to, to do this for the show, I'm not sure that I would have remembered to go find this one, go back and look at it again. And, and it was fun to see it and, and fun to as I was going through kind of remember along the way. What would be another one you would recommend to us? Doesn't have to be Christmas. Doesn't have to be. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just curious. As to I, I actually, uh, I actually have one in mind for uh, Pat cause I think he's a Michael J. Fox fan. And I figure another, not next year, the year after, uh, there's a movie called greedy that he was in. That is absolutely brilliant. And uh, no, I don't think any. I mentioned that, I think before on, when I was forced on, but uh, I was thinking in 1994 I'm going to be recommending a movie called Greedy with Michael J. Fox. I think it's one of his best movies, and it's one no one really knows about. Um, and I think Pat would really love it. So I'll have that in my head when 1994 comes along. Nice. Yeah, it's you know as I know you, you're like me. I really like Michael J. Fox. Remember the short thing? Uh, uh, not the short thing. Um, as other, as other, Doc Hollywood and everything else. Um, yeah. I said on the short thing episode I was on, but uh, a movie called Greedy. Is a fantastic okay. film from 1994, and I remember thinking I must recommend that to you when it comes to 19, no, not next year, the year after, to say make sure you do an episode on that because it is brilliant. You know, I've never heard of that movie, but I'm I I haven't either. I really really like it. I'm I, I just I just looked up who's in it, and it's uh, Kirk Douglas, Michael J. Fox, Olivia Dabo, Phil Hartman. Uh, there's a ton of people. Good, wow, yeah. it's brilliant. I really like it, and again, it's a real nice. And then real wholesome movie in the end, and oh, fun. Yeah, it's just I really like Michael J. Fox. So, it's, and again, I just there's, there's movies that I, I, I'm shocked that no one knows. So I kind of keep that in my head for for next, the year after next year. To say, I had that in my head to say to you is make sure you, you do greedy because it's it's a brilliant movie. No one knows about. Well, I look forward. Awesome. To, I look forward to watching it. Like yeah. like like everyone's off. been 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'll wait. I'll wait until 94. So I get the, you know, the first time viewing yeah. for when we record it. But uh, yeah. like everyone's saying, your recommendations have always been great. And you're right. Like, yeah. you know, like we've talked about Michael J. Fox is just it's amazing. amazing. That bad world is such a great oh, movie. Yeah. Bummed. I'm bummed really, that episode, but that is, that is such yeah. a problem. I remember, um, I think it was Dennis, he had a connection with his father with that movie. So when I was listening to, the, to that part of the episode before I came on, I was devastated. It was just a stupid night for me to say, um, oh yeah, I'll do Friday at one because I was still in the bar, couldn't leave, I was just far too busy, you know. Yeah. It was just one of them Fridays where it just got way busier than what I thought, you know. Um, so I missed it and I was devastated after. When I listened back, I was especially devastated when Dennis was saying that he had a connection with his father, but it was, that's the only reason. Because my father worked on the set, um, so it, yeah. it, oh, it, it is a brilliant movie. No one knows it as well, you know. And um, over here, I said, yeah. I walked out to my man in the world. And then when I showed him IMDb and said, I showed him the cast, they're all like, I know him, I know him, I know her. And I'm like, this is what I'm saying. This is a really big movie in the day, you know. Um, and apparently, like, Paramount was out of Top 5 Studios at the time. That was a big movie for them to do was when we launched uh, the studio and um, I noticed because I, I did the tour in July you know so um, so it's really cool and I actually got to see where he worked and I remember asking the tour guide like has this place changed the outside and he's like no it's this this is the way it was when your father would have worked here so it was really really cool you know um, and I listened to the episode I was delighted you all liked it as well I kind of knew you would it was uh, I think it was ahead of its time slightly that movie so I'm, I'm really proud that my father worked on it as well because I think that's what he was the one he was most proud of. He, he always, when it was on, was watch this and try and see me when the movie drops from the crane, you know. Yeah. Um, he would tell the same stories, but, you know. <laughs> that's what yeah. you do. You forget that he tell you, and then he tell you again a year later, you know, for the fifth time. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. No, I'm glad you enjoyed the recommendation. Like, I remember Brewster's Millions and uh, Mr. Destiny. Yeah. And, like, I always got a kick that... Uh, I'd always think, I knew they'd like that. I knew they'd like that. <laughs> I, must get, I must get the thinking cap on, see if I know any more come to mind. But uh, no, Greedy is the next one in two years' time. Greedy. And I won't forget, I'll be on Twitter uh, tagging, tagging John. I've, I've, I've already made a note of it for the uh, the 2024 yeah. slate. So. <laughs> cool. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you so fun. much. Yeah, thank you so much. We always have fun chatting with you and, and, and always have a great time having you on the show. And, um, yeah, thanks for sticking around. I know this is oh, no. yeah, fun. yeah, really sure. taxing, really taxing for you tonight to stay up. Yeah, up this great having you. Ah, yeah, I work from home and meet day job. Anyway, I have a day job and I do the bar in the evening. So, uh, I'll be, I, I actually, I have to get up at a quarter past nine in the morning to get we'll start work at half nine. It's not too bad. I'll still get a good okay. six hours sleep. <laughs> so. Uh, Awesome. Well, we have uh, we have a lot of great stuff coming up this month. This is the beginning of the month of December for us. Uh, our theme is mostly Christmas uh, because most of the movies are Christmas movies. Uh, so we have got our Patreon episodes that are coming out this month. We've got Eating Raul from 1982. Conan the Barbarian is one of our shorts from 1982. And Christmas Story Christmas, we're going to do a, a quick short episode on that one as well. Uh, last week, there was a special episode that would have come out, or just a few days ago, actually, would have come out. Um, I got to sit down with a writer, a comic writer and artist who was heavily inspired by Dave Stevens, the creator of The Rocketeer. And uh, we just kind of talked about the 40th anniversary of The Rocketeer as a character. Um, so that was a lot of fun. That one, that episode will have come out uh, a couple of days ago as of the release of this one. Next week, we've got uh, the biopic on Babe Ruth, The Babe. And then coming up in a couple weeks, we've got All I Want for Christmas. We've got Home Alone 2. 
And we're finishing off December with the Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, I also have, and I'm not even going to tell anybody here, um, I think I'm just going to uh, do a little something by myself. I have a special episode that I'm going to put out on Christmas Day. It's going to be my little gift to to everybody else. I'm going to put one out on Christmas Day, but I'm not even going to tell you what it is yet. But it is going to be a lot of fun, and I think everybody's going to enjoy it. So uh, we're going to end the year off with Muppet Christmas Carol, and then starting up strong, the, the next week after that, we start 1993 with Jurassic Park, and then the week after is going to be Matinee. So we've got a, a really great start for January coming up. So. Yeah, I'm I'm working on some uh, some trivia and three questions for Muppet Christmas Carol. There you go, awesome, very very cool. All Correct. right, everybody, thank you so much for being here again. Thank you all. Thank you, Podrick, Patrick, Bo, Jeff. So much fun talking with you guys. Um, everybody, uh, Merry Christmas. I mean, it's, it's coming up in like three weeks from now, but uh, Merry Christmas. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. Go watch Santa Claus the movie. And we will see you back here next time.